0: You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for his glory. Well, good evening. I'm so excited to be here tonight, uh, bringing the word of God. I remember just over three years ago, uh, I landed here in CLM as a young and fresh student. I remember I sat in this row, uh, and in that moment... I decided that I was going to make CLM my home church, and what a transformation uh, it has brought to my life to be committed uh, to Christ-centered community. Um, So for that, I'm truly thankful. I couldn't imagine being here tonight, but all the less, I am so excited. Well, the title for my message tonight is Return to Your God. Everybody say, Return to Your God. Awesome. And I'm going to be reading from Joel chapter 2, verse 12 to 13. Joel chapter 2, verse 12 to 13, in the ESV version. I'm throwing you all off with Joel and with the ESV version, but it's okay. And it's going to be up on the screen. And it says, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Wow, some powerful words right there, Uh, and we're going to return to those in a short while, but before that, I wanted to ask how many of us have ever gotten lost before? Yeah, maybe a few men in here not lifting their hands up because men never get lost. Uh, If you're anything like my stepdad, you know, Google Maps is not an option, it's not a part of your vocabulary, uh, because it's just around the corner, I know it's somewhere around here, or maybe when you were younger, right, uh, you're going into the supermarket with your parents, and they tell you just one simple instruction. Just hold on to the side of the trolley or stay close by and we'll be fine. And everything is good and okay up until you see the pick and mix aisle off in the distance and you are nowhere to be seen. Um, And then you turn around and you're like, where have my parents gone? Um, You know, it's so easy for us to get lost, right? Um, And there are many reasons why we can get lost. It can be because there's a lack of information. It might be because uh, we're in an unfamiliar territory, or it might be like the pick and mix aisle. You see it, it's a distraction, and you're gone. And before you know it, you've taken your eyes off of the thing or the person that was supposed to be guiding you. And these verses in Joel that we just read uh, speak to the nation of Israel. They could also be considered a lost people, because for you to get lost, it means that there must have been a right direction or a right place that you're supposed to be going in, but because you've wandered, you might be lost. And so previous scripture shows that, like for example, Hosea, the book before Joel, is a whole book dedicated to basically talking about how Israel were a wandering and lost people. They were called an unfaithful people. Um, But the main heart behind Joel is a command for the people of Israel to return to God. It's a plea and a command for them to return. You see, the Israelites were meant to be God's chosen people. As God's chosen people, they were meant to live set-apart lives. that were meant to display the faithfulness, the goodness, uh, and the power of the one and only God to other nations. But this identity isn't just true for the Israelites. We know that this identity is true for believers of Jesus Christ right now, today. Last week, we just um, had Easter. uh, And in Easter, we celebrate the death and the life and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so for believers of Jesus, our identity is described in 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10, which says... wandering, the idea of wandering from a God that you belong to is a problem not just for the Israelites. It's a problem for us today. It's a problem because all of us share a common history uh, and a story. Like Peter, 1 Peter 2 says, we were once not a people of God. We know this because Genesis 1 tells us we were created by God. So not even our breath and our bodies belong to us. Uh, And as those who were created by God, we were meant to live lives to reflect his goodness. We were meant to be in his image and in his likeness. However, through the disobedience of Adam and Eve, we know that original sin created a separation uh, between God and humanity. Romans 3.23 tells us all, all of us in this room, everyone in the world has sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So when Joel 2.12 makes a plea for us to return to God, though it's written to the Israelites, it could well be spoken to us right now. It first speaks to the people who might be here tonight, who you know that you're not really living in the original design and purpose that God had for you. Because of your sin, by default, you are far away from God. But it also speaks to those who might be here tonight, who are redeemed by belief in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Therefore, it's not that you're not saved in Christ. Hopefully, you acknowledge, though, that your life is not really in alignment with what God would have for you. You're Right now, you're not really living a life that is evident of the life of Christ in you. You've wandered from the original commitment that you made to God. And in both these cases, the question comes down to, well, how do I know I'm lost? What are some signs that can let me know that I've wandered away from God? What does this look like in my day-to-day life? A first sign that you may have wandered away from God is worship of gods and idols. You might think... Gods and idols, that's not really a thing for me. I know it's either for the Hindus who have these statues or it's for the Egyptians back in the day, but it's not really for me. I, I, I know I don't worship gods and idols. Or you might think, worship, the only people that I know that are worshippers are people who believe in God, and I don't really know if I'm with the whole worship idea yet. But I want to tell you that worship is about what you think is worthy And what you think is worthy is what you give special attention, devotion, commitment to, your time, and your energy. These things are the things that dictate your decision-making. But the problem with that is they can dictate our decision-making, but sometimes they can dictate us in general. Uh, In Luke 18, we see uh, the story of the rich young ruler. This is uh, a guy who comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, sell all your possessions and give your money to the poor. But we see that like the rich young ruler, he thinks about it, but he goes away, he walks away from Jesus sorrowful. And the reason that he walks away sorrowful is because the money, the wealth that he had in his life, the, the, the affections for those riches competed with the affections for God to the point where it was hard for him to lay it down. Maybe after hearing this, you know that there are some things in your life that are hard to lay down. God is, is pointing at you and pricking at you and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you saying, I need you to lay it down. I need you to put this down. But, you know, you're, you might be walking away sorrowful like the rich young ruler. It might be your academics. The Lord is saying, I know you're in exam season and the pressure's on, but I need you to commit more than just a Sunday coming to worship. I need you to get committed into other community. It might be that your emotions are your gods and idols. They are the things that seem to be dictating your life far above the truth that you know in God. Another sign That you may be wandering from God is getting caught up in good living. You know, since things are going well for you, God is not really uh, a provider for you. He's not really a source. You might be sitting here as an unbeliever, somebody who who knows that maybe, you know, I've lived my life, this whole life that I've lived. I've lived relatively comfortably. I've lived well. I don't think I really need a God. I'm happy. But the truth is, is that like I said uh, earlier on, uh, if we believe that God is the one who created us, then he is the one who gives us breath in our bodies. And if he gave you breath in your bodies, then he gives you everything else. And so everything that you have is sourced from God. So whether you're in good living or not, it's by the grace of God. Sometimes our wandering happens because of the challenges and the difficulties that we face in our lives. And these things can come and they can test our faith. We see that for the Israelites, hard times caused them uh, to, to complain against God, to wonder, "Where is our God?" In Exodus 14:12, on the way to the promised land from captivity in Egypt, uh, the Israelites were saying, it would have been better for us. It would have been better for us to be slaves in Egypt than to be corpses in the wilderness. And maybe for you, you're thinking, it would have been better for me to not be a believer right now, because to be honest, when I look at my life, when I look at the things that are going wrong in my life, I'm wondering where is a good God in this situation? Maybe it would have been better for me to stay in the world because then at least I'd just be a slave. But that's the truth is that you would just be a slave. And that's all you'd be. But God offers us uh, an alternative. And a final sign that you may have wandered from God is a religious spirit. Jesus often rebuked the Pharisees because though they had an outer exterior that looked good to others, that's all it was. It was something that was done to look good for others. But inside, they were broken. They were empty. They were whitewashed tombs. In Matthew Jesus says to the um, to the Pharisees in Matthew 15:8 these people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me they worship me in vain their teachings are merely human rules You know, I don't want to be a person who comes to church to tick boxes. I don't want to be a person who is living off the perception and the view of others. I want to be a person that when Jesus looks into my heart, he sees that I am a person who is wholeheartedly devoted to him. But we come to the problem with all these ways of wandering from God. Because unless we return to our God, eventually our lives will fall apart. We may feel good on earth and for the moment, but I don't know about your eternal security. What happens beyond this earth? Or maybe it was like Lewis this morning who shared about how Jesus had transformed his life, but he talked about how he kept chasing after the world, chasing after the things of the world, but he found that each time he came up empty, each time the world would not respond to him. And maybe you're chasing things of this world and you're coming up empty. There's no satisfaction. Or maybe you're not chasing things of this world, but you're definitely not chasing God. You're in a limbo. You're stuck in complacency. You're stuck in a place where devotion is not your passion. Commitment to God, intimacy with God is not something that you're after. Well, the Lord knocks on your door even then. But I know for me, um, when I'm waning and wandering, when uh, my devotion is lacking a little bit, I can be a bit restless. Uh, I'm more prone to sin. I'm more prone to the enemy uh, running afield in my mind and in my life. But I also know that there are good and true reasons for me to return to my God. And there are good and true reasons for you to return to your God too. I remember when I was was younger... um, As a teenager, one of the many and few priorities of my life was sleepovers. Now, I was one of the rare African children who was allowed by an African parent to have sleepovers. If you don't know why African children are not allowed to have sleepovers, you can ask one at the end. An adult, preferably. Um, <laughs> but I remember that sleepovers was a priority of my life but I remember that whenever I would have somebody sleep over my mom would only allow me to have them sleep over for a maximum of two days so by the end of the second day she comes to me and she says Tracy you've got to send your friend home they've got to go home and I'm like "Mom, why have they got to go home like can't you see over these last two days we have built a bond that is bigger than ever and the only next logical step is for us to adopt them yeah i'll bring the adoption papers and maybe i also thought oh maybe she's asking me to send them home because you know like when you've had guests stay over and it's nice being like playing host for the first two maybe three maybe four days at uh, a push but after the fourth day you're like ah, it's about time you guys went home all the real people in the house know that you're not always wanting to be host uh, but i knew that it wasn't because of that either Um, So the more I thought about it and the more uh, I got to interact with my mom, I realized that the reason that my mom asked me to send my friends home was not because she didn't want them around. It was actually because she knew that there was a place that they belonged. She knew that there was a home that they could go to where there was love waiting for them, where there was people wanting to see them and to love on them too. And I knew that only because whenever I would disappear for a long time, that's where my mom would come in and would say, Tracy, where have you been? We're looking for you. We want to hang out with you too. But, you know, for you, maybe you're sitting here and you're wondering or you're thinking to yourself, I've never really, like, had a place where I feel like I belong. I've never really had that place that I feel like I can go home to, a place where I'm loved and accepted. Well, I want to tell you whether you've come from a good household with loving parents, or whether you've come from a household that is broken. There is a good, good God who wants to be your heavenly father. There is a good, good God who you belong to. There's a good, good God, number one, who desires and longs for you. That's amazing that the God of the universe desires and longs for me. What? You know, God often is the one in the Bible extending the invitation. When we read Joel 2.12, It says, it was the Lord that declares, return to your God. That's an invitation. And in other times, we also see that it says in the Bible, like, the word of the Lord came. Now, sometimes it was in a bad way. It was for a bad reason. But sometimes it was for a good reason. Because God was calling his people back to him. And in the same way, we read in Matthew 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. To me, all those verses speak of a God who desires and longs for me. Number two, the second reason why you should return to your God is because you belong to him. You know, you can't return something unless it originally belonged there. And 1 Corinthians 6.20 tells us you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. You know, it took Jesus dying on the cross for you to remind you that you belong to God. If that's how much it took, well, what love to belong to God? What love? And the final reason that you return to your God is because only in him is their life. Only in Jesus Christ is their life. In John 14, 6, it says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That is life on earth and life eternally. Well, what does this life mean? It means the provision, the fulfillment, the identity, the significance, the satisfaction that I'm longing for can only be found in Jesus because it is Jesus ultimately. But making the return isn't always that easy. I remember um, when I was young, I used to like watching this TV show called Super Nanny. How many of you have watched it or heard of it? And I liked watching it because actually, like, I I find children very fascinating. I think they're hilarious to observe, for one, especially when I'm, like, in Treasure Kids or kids work here. I just find them hilarious to observe. But apart from that, um, I find kids can actually teach us a lot of lessons about what it means to be a human or even an adult because, you know, they might be far in age from us, but in reality, their behavior sometimes is a little bit like adults. It's just that they're less better at concealing the bad parts of them. Uh, And so I like to watch Supernanny because it's about this lady who comes to um, people's houses. It's uh, parents who have children that are struggling in terms of their behavior. So one of the things that she does as a, as a disciplinary idea is she um, puts them in the naughty step or in the naughty corner or in the, whatever it is, it's just a naughty place that they go to for a little while. And Joe tells them that when you put your child in the naughty step, like sit them there, tell them I've put you here because, and, da, 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 da. and then I'm going to be back in five minutes or I'm going to be in the kitchen when you're ready to apologize, come to me. And it sounds like a nice and easy concept until you have children or until you watch the show and you realize that sometimes it takes three hours just back and forth bringing the child back and they're screaming and they're hollering and they're doing all this. And then we see like the children go through like another uh, sort of process. Even after they've sat down, they're like unruly and undefiant, they're angry And then they become like clingy attention seekers. They just want to hug their parents, but their parents are like, no, in this moment, I'm trying to discipline you, so I need you to like focus on what we're doing. And then they just become like um, reclusive and isolated. They're crying, they're sad, they're on their own. And then they calm down. And then after a little while, they actually start entertaining themselves. And for me, I'm thinking, well, this discipline flopped because They've forgotten about why they're there in the first place. But then, like, the more they sit there, they're entertaining themselves, yes, but after a little while, you see that they become bored and they become quiet. And eventually, they decide to go to their parent and to apologize. Or sometimes the parent will realize, they've gone a bit quiet. So the parent will approach them. And, you know, sometimes we can be a little bit like these children, taking aside the punishment concept, sometimes we can know that we've done things that are wrong, we can know that we've outstepped our parents' guidance, our parents' leading, but then we go through the motions and emotions of pride, of anger, of, of pity, self-pity for ourselves, of trying to entertain ourselves, trying to find fulfillment and satisfaction right where we are. But similar to the child, we know that even if we might be entertained where we are, we're still boxed in. We're still shackled to the place where we were sitting or where we were put. And so for us to get freedom, we have to reconcile to our father. And that's the truth. It's like it's not just about being free to play. Ultimate freedom comes from reconciliation with our father. But of course, the process of returning is not a naughty step. So how do we return to our God? Well, we come back to the words of Joel 2:12 to 13. And in these verses, there's guidance on how to return. Number one, we return yet even now. Yet. In the midst of your suffering, in the midst of of your mess, in the midst of your broken family relationships, in the midst of your stress and your fear, in the midst of things not going well, in the midst of your addictions, you return to your God, yet even now. You know, for the Israelites um, and for us, what often brings the most harm is not necessarily just what we're doing, but it's the delaying to return. We may delay because you want to confirm that God really is the only way. Uh, I remember one person saying, I've learned from experience that experience isn't the best way to learn. And we might, in our lives, want to learn from experience. And we purposely do it because you know God has said stop. Stop doing that. But you want to keep going. You want to keep pushing the bar until you've confirmed definitely God is the only way now. Or it might be that you delay to return because... Like Adam and Eve, you're full of shame and guilt. You're carrying so much shame that you're hiding. And you're hiding because you're waiting for that moment where you feel more acceptable to come. But the truth is you're not going to feel more acceptable to come. When you really put it to scale, you're coming back to a holy, holy God. And you can never step into those places on your own feeling worthy. But we're called to return now, not because we finally feel more worthy or because we've exhausted all options, but because Joel tells us that the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Jesus already took our punishment. And so when you return to the Lord, you're returning to somewhere where you will find grace and mercy for all your brokenness and your emptiness. You're not returning to punishment if Jesus already took it all on the cross. Return to your God yet even now. Number two, the way to return to your God is with a repentant heart. It says with fasting, with weeping and with mourning, rend your hearts and not your garments sounds a bit like over-the-top dramatic and emotional, but when you realize that Jesus had to die on the cross for this, the God of the universe had to die on the cross for this, then this must be serious. If you know anything of what it means to repent, it means not just feeling bad for the consequences of the things that you're doing, being found out, or just the guilt and shame, which is also a consequence of your sin but it's recognizing the weight and evil of your own sin, your own brokenness, your own insufficiency. It's about recognizing how far from God you are. And more than recognizing these things, you recognize that it's all against God. This isn't the way it was supposed to be. That's the feeling that you get like, I, I know I'm doing wrong and I know I'm far, but this isn't the way it was supposed to be. But rather than get stuck in that place of feeling unworthy, we look to the love and grace of God in the person of Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, when speaking about Jesus, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then... Approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Those are comforting, encouraging, powerful words for me. I hope they are for you too. You know, for the words of those who believe, for those who believe in the words of Hebrews, repentance should be a daily pattern. Luke talked about this morning uh, being transformed in our lives with Jesus Christ. But the last point that he made was about the fact that it's for the rest of our lives. It's an ongoing thing. And if it's an ongoing thing, then repentance should also be a daily pattern of our lives. Because if you're walking in step with the Spirit daily, this Holy Spirit is definitely going to have those moments where he prods on you. And he tells you, you know that was wrong. You know you need to go and forgive this person. You know you need to go and do this. For some of us, repentance may be for the first time. The first time admitting that I realize I am far from God. Well, there's hope for you too. 2 Corinthians 7.10 tells us godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. The brokenness that I have about how far I am from God will bring salvation if I come to Jesus. Return to your God with a repentant heart. The final way you return to your God is with all your heart. You know, it's not the parts of us that we give to God that are the issue. It's the parts of us that we don't give to God. You know, when all is said and done, it's an issue of the heart. The Bible talks about the heart because Proverbs says it's the wellspring of life. Out of it flow the issues of life. It's the core of who you are. It's your mind. It's your actions. It's your attitudes. When Jesus challenged the rich young ruler, telling him to give away all his possessions, it wasn't a conversation about money. It isn't because it was a nice, good thing, a Christian thing to give to the poor. It was because Jesus was challenging the rich young ruler's heart. He couldn't surrender what he treasured in his heart. And as we repent, we turn away from whatever has us outside of God and we turn to God Repentance is about a change of the mind and the heart, which leads to a change of our actions. Can I invite the band to come up, please? The words from the hymn, Come Thou Fount, always weigh so heavily on me. Because there's a line in it that says, prone to wander God, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I know it's not that I don't love God, and maybe you know it's not that you don't love God, but more than knowing you love God, you know you are prone to wander. And it hits me hard because I'm always cautious of my own tendency to wander. The little compromises here and there, the little choices here and there that I make, the little neglect of devotion that I make here and there, those little things that edge me away further and further. It takes step by step to get lost. But the following lines from that same song uh, say, Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Here's my heart, Lord, take it. You know, when you give someone your heart, it speaks of surrender and trust and love. And God wants your heart. He wants you to lay down your gods and idols, your empty pursuits, the living in fear instead of taking hold of him his promises his holy spirit who helps you and teaches you and guides you in the way that you should go you don't need to do this on your own this is not about being religious this is not about ticking boxes this is about submitting to the will and the power of the holy spirit that helps you to walk daily in all that god has for you For you, it might mean engaging in our prayer and fasting that we have coming up. I know I'm definitely going to be a part of it. Uh, Prayer and fasting is this idea of uh, putting down the distractions, the things uh, that take our eyes off God and choosing once again to fix our eyes and our hearts on God and say, God, what do you want from me? What, What can I hear from you? For some of us, it might mean deciding to walk in accountability it might mean that you know for so long you've walked on your own concealing everything because everything works better when you when you do it hidden but when you come out into the light the Bible talks about things that are brought to the light become light and so for you it might mean walking in accountability I'm gonna ask us to close our eyes because you know we don't have to wait until prayer and fasting to respond we don't have to wait till prayer and fasting to return we can do it right now right here I want to speak to the people in this room who, who know that they do things that are not pleasing to God you know that if you're being honest with yourself you are far from God but in reality it It doesn't really break your heart in the way that it should it doesn't break your heart in the way that it should the way that you feel about your sin is not the same way that God feels about your sin but you wish it was the way I want to ask you guys to stand up and say Lord I want I want you to break my heart for what breaks yours maybe for some of us that we need to respond because actually you do realize that you are broken and far away. And even if you're not that far away and broken, there are things in your lives that you allow to slip here and there. You allow them to slip and they cause you to feel that distance between you and God. And tonight you wanna say, Lord, I, I need to return. I need to return because if I continue in this way, it's it's not going to get me anywhere thank you guys and lastly i want to speak to the person who feels lost who recognizes that they are lost you're lost because the reality of a god that desires and wants you and longs for you and wants to redeem you is a concept that you haven't really accepted yet, but tonight you want to accept it. You want to say, Lord, I want you to be my saviour. I want to live in a place where I'm returning to you and returning to you for good. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand up. I want to challenge you guys, while we still have a moment left, that it's about returning right now. So if you're delaying, if you're worried that maybe I shouldn't return right now because people might see me or what would people think of me, it's about you and God. So I'm going to give us a few more seconds just to think about, is that me? Do I need to return? For the rest of us, before I pray, I'm going to ask you to search your hearts. Because our hearts um, can be very deceitful. The Lord says um, we should search our hearts. In in Psalms, David says, Search my heart, Lord, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Because you might sit here and you might think I'm okay. But the Lord would say differently. But for those that have stood up, I want to thank you. And I'm going to pray for you. Lord, I thank you that you are a good gracious and merciful God who relents over disaster I thank you that you invite us to come and to return not because you meet us with rebuke but you meet us with your love and Lord I pray for the people that have stood up tonight that you would give them strength through your Holy Spirit to walk in step with you That when they wander, they would live in a life of repentance before you, forever being helped by the Holy Spirit to self-correct. I thank you, God, that you call us to return. And I thank you for those who tonight have decided to return. We rejoice in Jesus' name. Amen.